Hi, this is Jay Lee, and you're listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Hello there. And we have Rostachio the third, Mario Brother. Hello. And I'm CBS. That's you. That's me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, today it is, most days it is also. <laughs> uh, I like to thank you all for listening and uh, sticking around with us. So we're, we're trying to get back on our feet and start running again. So today we're doing episode number 208. And we're going to be going over books, uh, Red Hood the Hill number one, The One Hand number one, and Wolverine Madripoor Knights number one. Uh, in correct order, that'd be DC, Image, and then Marvel. Let's go to open up with a little bit of news. What's in the news? What's in the news? So we've got a couple different things to chit-chat about news-wise. Um, I'm going to start with this one first, and then uh, we par back and forth. Uh, so, Space Ghost is getting a new solo comic series. What? And I bro, saw that. I saw that. See, Sorry. that's why. Coming out from Dynamite uh, this summer, the writer is going to be David Pepos, who has been on the show, he used to write Spencer and Locke, is currently writing uh, the new Punisher run with the new character, the Punisher. Uh, so he's going to be writing it. Um, if you want to dial back a lot of episodes, David did an interview uh, back whenever uh, we had uh, Destiny and uh, Joel on the show. And uh, they did one with him in Denver. Awesome book. Spencer and Locke is fantastic. We actually reviewed that book, too. Maybe why we did the interview, I guess. Uh, but yeah, go back in time and listen to that episode, because it still counts to the check marks of people listening to things, <laughs> which is definitely helpful. Or just because you want to. Because you want to, like like Ross said. <laughs> the man in the deep back. That's the right reason. Uh, our song is going to be uh, Jonathan Lau. So art should look pretty good. Uh, but this is, gonna be, this is the first... Uh, Space Ghost series in almost 20 years. It's a solo series. Yeah, that's crazy. Right. Uh, it's going to be part of the Lion Dynamite is done for licensed cartoons through Warner Brothers. That's crazy, too. Right. So the first one of those actually dropped already, which was Thundercats. All right. Right. And so this guy will be happening this summer. It doesn't have a release date yet because they just started announcing it. Um, sneakily, an ad at the back of the end of the uh, Thundercats. Nice. Uh, but there is supposedly plans to do Powerpuff Girls, Johnny Quest, nice. and a Wizard of Oz comic. <laughs> Whatever. How is the Thundercats series? Because I haven't even looked at it yet. You know, the issue one, the, the art's good in it. Um, it's uh, Moss doing the art. And uh, I can't remember who's writing it right now. But the first issue is kind of a like first episode style. So it's a setting of who they are and how they work again. Nice. So it's more of a, hey, you never heard of Thundercats? This is who they are. Is it like a new thing, or is it set in like the '80s cartoon, or is it? Well, I mean, it's still styled after the '80s cartoon. Nice, but it's a new. It, the story itself is not that different, but it has a couple of elements that are slightly different. Gotcha. Um, not crazy like all of a sudden everybody's recast and they're not cats anymore. Nothing like that. Would be, that would be an odd choice. I mean, it would be for the namesake of the book. Uh, let me finish. Let me do this piece of news, and we're because this piece goes along with that. Because speaking of Thundercats. Oh, yeah, there you go. Uh, so issue one 
which came out last week, is already heading back to second printing. Oh, man. And uh, their initial orders for the book came out to 170,000 copies. Holy cow. Right. And even the overprint, which put them up around 180,000 copies, have all been sold at the distributor level. Savor a batch of the foil covers that I just saw today were available. So if you haven't got anything at all, and you really want one, your stores can still, as of right this second, still get the foil covers um, for the series. But it's heading back to second print already because of that. Nice. And uh, as far as books, I mean, that puts it 180,000 copies. That counts the other, that counts all the covers. There is like 38 covers, which is, yeah, there is a bunch of variants and a bunch of incentive covers, um, which technically, I guess, the foils would be incentives, but they're just more expensive than the gate gotcha. incentives. So they're, they're $10 a piece. At some point, I'm sure that price will change because it, with the amount of it selling the way it has is wild. But like as the thing, 180 first, first print comics, whether it's the A cover or the Z, God, what was the Z? So the A cover and it went all the way to like Z, I think Z H is what it went to. That was crazy. Like I said, 38 freaking covers. Yeah. And the skewy goes A through Z and then the Z starts adding other letters on top of it. So. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, that's crazy. The second print, they are going to be using the Rob Layfield cover with a color fade because the original one is just full color. So that way you can tell the difference between the two. Gotcha. But uh, it's going to come out, I think, the middle of next month. I, I don't remember the date by memory, and I didn't write it down in my little note. So you have to double check that because I don't remember. But yeah, pretty cool. And as far as like... Other properties, I mean, Dynamite's known for doing a lot of properties. The idea they're doing a bunch of Warner Brothers cartoon characters is really pretty cool. Didn't they just do Disney, too? Well, they got a handful of Disney ones, and they've been doing they've been doing different Disney for a minute. Like, right now, they've got a batch of villain books. They have a book for Scar, which is the bad brother in The Lion King. Right. Yes. So Jeremy Irons. Right. Fantastic voice actor. Why has a comic book? I don't know. Good question. Uh, Cruella has a book, but it's classic Cruella. Right. Not, not the new movie. No, not, uh, not, not the new movie one. Uh, there's a book for Hades, and there's a book for Maleficent, which Maleficent, I think, is on her second volume of books. I think that makes sense because she had the two movies, and they tried to spin her and not be just a bad guy, and popularity-wise, she's got her own like following. So that one makes sense to me. Cruella, okay, I, I I don't... But the books are not those movies. No, they're not. They're, no, they're... Like the classic. Yes. She's even got the full green skin and everything, and the look for is of the cartoons. Uh, so they have those guys going on, and they currently are doing the Darkwing Duck stuff. Right. So the Darkwing Gargoyles. Duck... And Gargoyles also. So they have a whole lot of property things happening. Man, I Gargoyles. Gosh, I love Gargoyles. Such a great show. Well, and right now it's got two books happening. Just regular Gargoyles, which... Follows from the end of the cartoon series, and there's Gargoyles Dark Age, which is the past. So it doesn't; it's still connected to the cartoon because yeah. all the same characters, but it's in the past rather than in the before present. they were in, turned into stone. And right, right. So it's two different time frames, and piece wise, I mean the art's all been good in them. They all have a plethora of covers because they do dynamite explosion because of covers. Uh, but yeah, so they have a whole handful of things they're doing. But now these. 
new spins with the uh, other Warner Brothers stuff should be really cool. So they're doing Disney Warner Brothers at the same time. It is a pretty crazy idea. And then on top of that, they have all their their uh, other properties like the Aprella, Red Sonia, uh, 007. So there's all kinds of stuff happening over there. Yeah, that's way crazy. Yeah. I guess they found the place, you know, for all the properties to go. It was Dark Horse for a while and then right. IDW. and Oh, yeah, no, that's true. And with IDW having a shift in its what it has and what it doesn't have, that's uh, an interesting take, too. So I, I don't know. We'll see. But for a while, Dynamite was doing, like, the Uncle Scrooge books, and they were doing the DuckTales books directly after IDW did them. Right. So it'll be interesting to see, like, what comes out of that. I'm just waiting for the giant crossover with Red Sonya. And Vamprella uh, meet, uh, I don't know, any of those characters at all. The Thundercats, that makes the least amount of sense. Space Ghost? Disney princesses? Well, I mean, they're not doing princesses, so I guess the bad girls, Cruella, could hang out with them. It'd be kind of weird. No, you know, it's only a matter of time. No, it's, it's true. That's true. If it, was, uh, if it was the other Cruella, then sure. Right. But that's entirely different, too. I mean, that's what I got about Dynamite itself. Nice. News buys. Mr. Brown? Oh, I just wanted to, just in case you've been living under a rock, they announced Fantastic Four movie cast today. Oh, I did see that earlier today. Did you see that, CBS? Is it the same ones I thought it was last week? Maybe. And I told you you were a liar. All right, so it's, <laughs> yep. Pedro, Pedro Pascal is Mr. Fantastic. We have Vanessa. Vanessa Kirby as uh, Sue Storm. We have Joseph Quinn as Johnny Storm and Eben Moses? Eben Moss Bacharach. Bacharach. Nice. That thing is, I think that's a game. Yeah. So they, they had a cool um, thing on Instagram today, and it was for Valentine's Day, and it was all of them hanging out. Um, I guess the theory is the thing is reading a... Life magazine with Reagan on the front of it, so they're thinking that it's going to start in the sixties. Okay, that's that's the consensus. I could be mistaken on this, but I'm thinking that it was an actual issue of that magazine. Yes, it went out yeah. in that year, and that's why they're saying it. Yeah, is coming out. It it was a real real life issue. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we talked at one point. I don't know if both of us talk. Of all of us talk about this or not, but at one point I do remember talking about the Fantastic Four. And figuring out a way for them to fit in the MCU with him not being around for any of the last stuff that happened. If, in fact, they're affected by the snap. But if we're going that far back, I mean, I guess we'll see. Oh, there's going to be time travel. for sure. Oh, for sure, yeah. Well, it makes sense to me as a, as a thing. Cosmic rays and everything else to get him to the present. So yeah. I still have a hard time with Pedro as Mr. Fantastic. Do you really? I do. I So much. Like, I think he's fantastic. And like his Mandalorian, when he's doing the voice or the suit or whatever he's doing over there, I think he's great. I didn't dislike him as Maxwell Lord. I think he did fine with what he was given. That movie was just terribly written. That's that's the problem with it. It wasn't, just, it wasn't Maxwell Lord, really. Right. Either. Yeah, that's true. So, and like him in The Last of Us, I think he's, he's great in that, too. So that's my concern is, all right, you're still going to do Last of Us, at least for a little bit. Right. They're scheduling in... in we're Quebec, Canada, or whatever they do it for. A, they they film for a year. That's how long it took them to fill the first season. So that then you have now Fantastic Four, and then Mando, which I'm guessing he's still doing just voiceover for. Like you're a busy guy at that point, right? 
Well, I, again, with work and stuff, I mean, I don't think that either the... When it comes to projects, I think Mandalorian has the least amount of suffering involved in that because we have three guys that wear the suit. So it's not necessarily that it has to be him in the suit. And voice work, if you have a quiet enough closet, you can do it from home. Say, yeah, you can phone that in. So it's not... It's, I don't think that that will suffer with that in mind. And if you only have to do a few pickup scenes where you're not wearing the helmet, then cool. I mean, that's part of the whole bag anyway that he wears it, so that right. is fine. Um, I would love it if he was in the suit, but it's not practical with the way the world is right now, and especially with him being busy. I just have a hard time believing that he's supposed to walk into the room and they say he's the smartest guy in the room. So I can tell you from seeing, I mean, it's it's art. The picture is art, but it looks it looks right. Does it? Like it, it fits. Oh yeah, I've seen it with him with the silver on the sides. Like yeah. it, it makes sense. Yeah, maybe it's just the. the silverback pieces in there that make him fit the part better. I don't have this have a problem with any of the rest of the actors either. I feel like they all are fine. And again, I don't think he's a bad actor. I just have a hard time with Yeah, even now. he It's not the right kind of smug. Yeah. Pedro seems like the kind of guy, and maybe it's just my take of Reed Richards. And the only time I'm really a fan of Reed was when there's multiple Reeds, which is really weird. I know I've said it before on this show in the past, mentioning a story where there's lots of different Reed Richards. Because generally speaking, he's not my favorite right. as a thing. Right. But his cockiness isn't that of a guy you want to hang out with, where Pedro, even in that picture, which if you guys haven't seen the picture, I try to look it up because it's... It's all over Instagram. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Mar Mar official Marvel posted it. So. He still looks like a guy that'd be like, I could hang out with that guy, even with his cocky behavior. See, With Reed Richards, I'm like... I don't know. I kind of see Reed Richards that way, though, too. Yeah. I see him as like a smart guy, but not like as a jerky smart guy. Now, when there's alternates and there's a lot of them, yeah, at least one of them is a giant jerk all sure. the time. But normal hero Reed Richards, I see him as someone that would still be like halfway fun to be around. Well, maybe. I, I, I guess we'll see when it happens because now it's happening. I mean, well, is John. Kaczynski? Kaczynski. Yeah. When I look at him, I half the time I think he'd be fun to hang out with, but after watching him as Jack Ryan, he's kind of more stoic, and like I don't see that guy smiling a lot because he doesn't. Did you like his Reed Richards? Richards? Yeah. yeah that's I did too. Yeah, I thought it was I did good. too, a lot. I think that happens tomorrow. could be like, shut up, fanboys. Oh, 100%. Now that we know that that's who they cast, yeah, that's all that was. Great. What do you think you want? We'll put Professor X and um, your fan casting all together. Yeah. I put them all six feet under. Yeah. Take that one. Right. Kill all words. Take, take that. I'm not sure about just the mustache on Reed Richards, by the way. Like, well, there's another piece, too. I, I, and, and no offense to Pedro Pascal, like his mustache, like, do you, man? Like, that's your mustache. But you either need to do the whole beard, which he very rarely has, or you're clean cut. Right. And we've had both. We've never really had a Mr. Fantastic. Just, have just a mustache. That's yeah. true. That's Yeah, that's a very true. So, and Pedro's done movies where he doesn't have... The, I mean, he did a whole bunch of TV stuff before he got to be you know, Pedro Pascal, right. um, where he didn't wear any facial hair. So, mm -hmm. right. I mean, it's not the guy can't go clean again, but I, I may agree with that. Like, beard or no, but this half wave that you normally wear <laughs> doesn't work. Not for the character. For you, clearly, sir, you were a handsome man. It it won't surprise me at all if they try to make it a different Reed Richards. 
I mean, it's a good possibility that he's from Earth, I don't know, insert number here. Right. Which I don't know what that number is, but if you add the letters together, you might get a number. <laughs> Smart. Stupid alphabet. Yeah, I, yeah. For me, he's not the right casting, but I mean, I had doubts about Heath Ledger too, so I guess we'll see. Bro, I totally did. Especially when I was told that, or word had got around that Paul Benethi was the first choice. And I was like, I can see that. Sure, yeah. That makes sense to me. And then, of course, they cast Heath, and I was like, I don't know about this. And then you see it, and you're like, holy cow, like, this is right. the best thing ever. But yeah. Yeah. It, it may very well be that, that once the coin turns, it, it turns out Chris Evans really is just fantastic or amazing. <laughs> nope. Neither of those. Captain America, I guess it's Captain America. Oh. Both those other names didn't work. I was looking for something that goes with Captain America, but the only thing is symbol of liberty. I don't think that would make sense in the sentence either. No. Nope. That's what I get for trying. That's what I get for trying. Nope. Rochi has some more news over there? I do. So I've got a few movie trailers that came out in the recent. I don't know when one of them came out. One of them came out today, though. And it's probably the most... The one I'm the most excited about. Oh. That you didn't even know about. Oh, okay. But they put out a trailer for Godzilla and mm -hmm. Kong, the second trailer. Oh, well, cool. Yeah. And gave you a little glimpse of the other bad guy. In the, I think it's actually a girl, I think, is what we found out. It's kind of funny because they're trying to hide it, but they've put out all the toys already of this thing. Right. Yeah. It's basically a giant ice Godzilla. That's the other bad. Oh, I thought the orangutan was the oh, bad. There's the orangutan, too. There's okay. two of them. Okay. Yep. So they're kind of, I like I said, it doesn't make sense that they're hiding it because they've already shown what it is. But It's like Force Ghost Luke showing up with a toy before the movie came right. out. Yeah. Right. Okay. Did you like the last one? The last movie? Yeah. Yeah, I liked it. See, once they went to the center of Earth, I was like, I'm out. This is not... Oh, it definitely jumped to crazy. Yeah. But dies Visually, it's amazing. That's yeah. for darn sure. Like, it's really good. Have you seen... Do you, are you a big Godzilla fan? Oh, yeah. Did you see Minus One? Yeah. I, I hear it's incredible. It, it's really, really good. I really want to see it. It's it's more like a traditional Godzilla movie, but it's a pretty brutal for a Godzilla movie, too. That, that's what I've heard. Crazy. And visually, it's beautiful. Well, and it got nominated for an Academy Award, and they only, they only spent like $10 million or something yeah. on that whole movie. Like, the visual effects got nominated. I was like, that's crazy. I really want to see it. I know yeah, it's not in theaters it, anymore. But it's, it's worth checking out, for sure. I will. But yeah, Godzilla X Kong is like the far other side of the spectrum. Oh, I bet. <laughs> those kinds of movies. Like, I'm waiting for like a fist bump in one of the trailers. <laughs> oh, man. Like Don't doubt Warner movie. Brothers, dude. They'll do it. They will do it. Those guys mess up everything. And Kong's got his crazy mechanical. I thought it was going to be a cast, and it turns out it's like super fist. Oh, my so, God. So, like, fist bump, he's going to like knock Godzilla across the. <laughs> Well, that way you can have power fist. Yeah. Man. It's a toy waiting to happen. Exactly, oh, yeah. Kids be hitting everything. No, that's why that was made. That's why that exists. Oh, for sure. For sure. Questionable. In fact, that's the one thing I'm not super excited about, is it looks like they take away his cool axe he had from the last movie. Sure. And replace it with the fist thing. That, that axe was, was cool, though. Yeah. Yes. The whole Godzilla being made out of like a different kind of Godzilla or something and able to charge its powers and yeah. Well, I guess we'll see. Um, so the other movie, which I'm not too sure about, but 
whatever. We saw a trailer for it today. It's called Sasquatch Sunset. And it almost looks like a nature documentary about a family of Sasquatch. And it looks like it's supposed to be funny. There's some funny parts, but then there's some times where you're like, I don't know what is going on here. That's true. But it's got Jesse Eisenberg as one of the Sasquatches in the movie, which is insane. So I follow IGN a lot, and I read a lot of their articles, and they gave it 10. And I was, oh, I was like, what is this? And well, I, I dove in, and I was like, what? And I, I again, I haven't seen it, but I just read the article. I was like, what is this movie? Well, it looks like, I, in all honesty, from the trailer, it looks like it could be that kind of movie. Wow. Like, it looks like it could be something that is really good. The trailer didn't give me that impression mm-hmm. right off the bat, but you could. it looks like something very different, for sure, and something that people would like because it's very different, too. Wow. The trailer has pieces, yeah, like you said, pieces that were super funny. It pieces that seem like straight up nature documentary, right? So, like, isn't it? Is it one of those things? that's like a uh, a spoof? No, uh, when you're trying to teach a lesson, satire. Satire is more mocking, uh, like about. Uh, why can't I think of words that make any sense with what I'm trying to say? All I can think about is how the ice caps are mount melt melting. Fable. No, that's a fantasy story that usually leads to something. I there's a word for what I'm looking to say. Man, that's not good. Uh, to teach you a lesson about the word Steve. God, man, it's bad. Somebody get out the thor- thesaurus for Steve. Yeah, it might come back to me in a minute. I don't cautionary know. tale. We're just gonna be sitting here doing other stuff. And- cautionary tale. Well, that's usually how it happens. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> worse than a stroke. It's terrible. No, don't say. That. Well, maybe not worse than. I don't say it's that. Like the dog with the squirrel. Our dog. Yeah, it's more of a dog. Dog with a squirrel. That's a squirrel. Right. Yeah. Shiny objects for small <laughs> vermin and whatnot animals. Yeah, from vermin to animals. Thought about something different. That was good. <laughs> well, the, your transitions the, are on awesome. terrible. Yeah, your no, segues are so good. Couple of them been okay. That that wasn't a good one. <laughs> you know, let's move on to something. Let's oh, just do something different. Okay. I can't dig myself out of the hole. I was trying to. I kept thinking, how can I get something that's going to be? You did pretty good. That was like you stuck the shovel on the side and climbed on. <laughs> just, just fell back down and buried me. Ah, it's the worst. Uh, so the DC Universe, the Gunverse, is what it properly should be called. Um, well, we have a Supergirl. Nice. So, uh, Millie Adcock, right? That's right. Al- Alcock. Alcock. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you watch House of Dragons? Pieces of it. Okay. Never the entire thing, but I've never been a Game of Thrones guy. It's not amazing. It's cool if you're, you know, into that lore. She, however, is fantastic. And I did see a mock-up of her, and I was like, that is dynamite. Bingo. Like, if it's done correctly, especially in that whole Woman of Tomorrow kind of way right. that they've, the, uh, is Tim... Tom King's only wrote the comic book. If they can pull that off, I think she can do it. What's interesting, not to stomp on your story, but... No, you're good. There's no doubt, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts talking about DCU News, but um, there's no doubt that they're in Atlanta right now doing, starting... Their, their table read's supposed to be next week. Um, there is no doubt in anyone's mind that she did fly to Atlanta. She, she told her when she was flying to Atlanta and did do screen tests with corn sweat, which I think is awesome. Cool. Yeah. yeah. 
instead of, you know, hey, I'm unable to come and, you know, spend a, a, you know, day doing stuff in front of a computer and send it in your, you know, audition, you actually get to play off another actor. And I think that's awesome. Sure. We have a more traditional way of getting things done. You know, that's cool. I don't feel like she doesn't look the part. She just, my brain looks for a little more, I don't know, Americana, I guess, in the con in the casting. But as far as the thing, like I said, I always saw part of that show. I know partway through they change her because of age and the show changes too. But I've never been that married to Game of Thrones, so I'm relegated to the like two episodes I saw in yeah. commercials. Yeah. And there's a huge time jump in that show and you're it's it's very confusing and it's it's a decent show. It's Right. Yeah, I didn't just like what I saw. I just I've never been I mean, I I've told my Game of Thrones story out here about the first season or no the series i watched the first season because it was a present from a christmas and then we get to the end and sean bean get sean bean and i said okay yeah and that was you know i punched out from that point till season seven because there's eight seasons holy cow yeah there's yeah. a lot of, lot of episodes and in season seven i was out for a convention in california staying with my friend karen and she's like oh game of thrones is starting tonight we gotta rake game of thrones i said cool She's like, is that all right? I said, I'm staying with you. We'll watch whatever you want to watch. And so we watched Game of Thrones, and we got done with the first episode of season seven. And she's like, oh, that was so great. What did you think of it? I was like, oh, it was pretty cool. I do have one question, though. How did the little girl change her face? Now, if you've never seen Game of Thrones, that doesn't make any sense to you. If you haven't seen Game of Thrones, you have an answer. And Karen had an answer. She's like, holy shit, she joined part of this assassin's group called the Faceless Men, and they taught her how to remove a face and put a face on herself, and blah, 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 more words. And I said, cool. And she's like, hang on, did you not see the last season? And I said, I haven't seen anything since season one. And she's like, oh, okay. I said, but the funny thing, Karen, is either this show is the best show ever because I didn't feel lost, or it means the other six seasons didn't matter. <laughs> and her answer was, I don't like your answer. <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry? Oh, she's like, funny. well... The next one comes out next Sunday, and you're going to be here. Do you want to watch the next one? I said, sure, watch the next one. I'm going to watch whatever you want to watch. Subsequently, I did finish that season, and then the next season had the same exact thing happen because I was out for the same convention, and it was happening at the same time with the release. So as a matter of fact, Game of Thrones, I saw season one, season seven and eight, which were both half seasons, and I didn't feel nearly as aggravated when the ending happened because I didn't invest eight years. You invested, yeah, that's fair. I, that all. And I, I mean, I've never read the books, so okay. I mean, I have met, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who wrote it. George R. R. Martin. Thank you, sir. George Captain R. R. Martin. Rascal. Right, which is the, the, exactly the story I was about to tell. <laughs> Captain Rascal. Yeah, because, so me and Rob um, were at a convention in San Diego, and Rob's a very big fan of R.A. Salvador, and they had R.A. Salvador doing a signing along with R.R. R. Martin, and so we were there to do mostly for R.A. Salvador, but because they were both there, we had to meet both guys, and I'll kid you not, the man rides in on a rascal wearing a captain's hat. <laughs> no joke. And I thought... He's a weird dude. That's pretty crazy. He's a weird dude. And I thought, well, maybe the guy has trouble getting around. And maybe in truth he does, because I never saw him get out of the rascal. He rode right over to the desk and started signing the books for people, and nice. mum, mum's the word. So, you know, as a thing, full-on captain's hat. Which, to do that, you have to, you know, be pretty brazen, I think. Or full, bold. Uh, entitled. I don't know what the right answer to that is. Sure, why not? Arrogant. There we go. That's a good word. Uh, but, I mean, it's not like the man didn't seem to belong in it, so, you know, maybe he was a nautical person in another life or something. I don't know. But anyway, so I don't have a whole lot of 
information about her or review for her, save her, you know, what level we've seen since then. Mm-hmm. I do think it's really cool we're using that story because that story is a great story. If you've never read A Woman Tomorrow, I, I say check it out because it's definitely worth a read. Um, actually, Tom King, the same artist whose name I don't remember now, how a book get ready to come out from Dark Horse. Um, not connected at all to DC Universe. Um, and now I cannot remember what the name of it is. So I started that without a full answer. Will, Will is something? I can't remember. Hey, Google Tom King and Dark Horse. I'm just sure you can probably find it. Because I can't remember what the name of it is. Uh, anyway, I got one more piece of uh, DCEU. And it's not like news news. It's more like fan news, I guess. Uh, but it does connect to the DC Gunverse. Uh, do you guys have anything else news-wise before we do that? No. No? All right. So, uh, sticking in line with our current topic. Helen of Windhorn? There you go. Helen of Windhorn. Yep. That's the book. Uh, so, Tom King is writing that guy, along with the same artist that did the art for uh, Woman Tomorrow. So, if you love the look and you love the style of writing, totally different venue of book. But, uh, I would say this would be one worth checking out, considering the two of them team very well um, for the Woman Tomorrow. Uh, so, yeah, in uh, Gunverse News, or fan news, so the current the uh, two fellows that got pitted each other to play Batman as a fan thing because it's not been decided by anybody and I don't know if it's really real. When you say pitted, do you mean that they had to fight each other to be Batman? I mean, it's like a voting for fans thing, comparison-wise. No, they had to out-Batman each other. You know, that would be glorious if that was the case. Oh my gosh, I would love that better than anything else. Yeah, let's just make... Don't cast either one of them. Just let them do that. That'd be great. And so we got Alan Rich Rickson, who is a uh, Jack Reacher or Hawk from Titans. He's yeah, he's he's been campaigning very hard for that. Yeah, because he really wants. He really it. wants it. Uh, then we have Jensen Ackles. Just yeah. Jensen Ackles it would be from the uh, the uh, Supernatural TV series for a full I think like eleven seasons or fifteen seasons or something. There's a lot of it, and uh, I think both men are great. And Jensen does have a leg up on the fact that he has voiced Batman in one of the animated movies. He. Campaign hard to be Red Hood for a long time too. He did, and that's actually it was his Red Hood would be mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, and if he doesn't get the part of Batman, I think his Red Hood would be easily matched to the Batman for that. And the two size wise, I think would make sense too. Ackles is yeah. older than he looks. Oh yeah, he's like forty three, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. No, but I'm sure that Gunn wants to go with somebody brave and bold. They're saying he's going to be about thirty two to thirty. Four-ish, right, which he's not far off, and I'm sure he could do it. But someone maybe who could, you know, go down the line for a while, right? With a batch of multiple movies. I mean, my only concern there is if Alan does wind up actually being a real choice, is that he will look bigger than Superman. Yes, he will. Yeah. And the guy that cut cast for Superman has a very Henry Cavill look about his face. But he's not. His frame is. His right. frame is not the same. No. Uh, and I'm not saying a man can't put on muscle, and as he gets older, that may adjust and just fall into place. And you put him in a bodysuit, no different than Nick Cage in a light-up suit in that hotel room, he will look muscly. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm not saying they can't pull it off. And as a matter of fact, that we made John Reese davies look like a tiny man when he was a dwarf. And CGI-wise, I mean, yeah, yeah he's very tall John Reese is not a, he's not, no, he's more like, uh, I don't know, I'd say 590, like between me and Ross. No. Davies. No, no, no. John was tall. tall. Was he taller than all three of us? Yeah, maybe. You you want. Yeah, take a look. Well, I mean, you don't have to. Don't I'm going to. I think your six three is about right on. You think so? 
guessing. It didn't feel like he was that tall when we were standing next to him, but I guess he, I am not tall, so anybody is taller than me. Whatever. Not, not anybody. I mean, I'm BIP2, buddy. And only barely. <laughs> only barely. 6'1". I was close. Okay. So, okay. So that's a little more. I feel believable because it's right. But yeah, they can make John look like, you know, a, a what, a, th- a three foot dwarf? Right. Three and a half foot dwarf. So making the, their Superman look bigger is not impossible as a thing. And like, I, I, which I've told the story a lot lately. So chances are, if you're listening to the this, this show and you come from the store, you've heard this before. But I've had one interaction with Alan um, at the Colorado Springs Comic Con uh, probably two years ago now, prior to the Jack Reacher stuff starting and after his end on Titans. Um, I was coming from one part of the convention center, which is the hockey arena, into the other part. And as I came around the corner, he was coming around the corner with his uh, volunteer shepherd and then uh, an officer who was helping him down the hallway to get to his photograph session. I came around the corner and was surprised because the man is so tall. And I, I said, the word I can't say on this show, and you're tall. And he's like, ah, I get that a lot. And then the cop lady's like, we got to keep moving. We got to keep moving. And off they went. And I was like, that was the coolest, like... Because that line, I've heard him say in that show now, and I'm like, awesome. Nice. So I, the dude, I think, would be a great Batman, especially thinking Arkham Asylum Batman. But if your Superman is bigger than your Batman, or your Batman's bigger than your Superman, strike that, reverse it. Have you, have you watched Reacher at all? I have. Is it good? It, I like it. Is he good in? You know, if you're saying he's playing Batman, I find it believable. Yeah. Is it dialogue heavy for him? No. Is a lot of uh, grimace and face work? Yes. Okay. Uh, He's not delivering huge amounts of dialogue, mm-hmm. but Batman wouldn't be doing that. Not There's not a lot of exposition with, with the bat. I mean, even when he is explaining things, it's more a yelling, punching kind of thing. Sure. So I feel like the heavy lifting on Batman's part would be more on the Bruce Wayne side. And I do think I might have a problem with his Bruce Wayne, only because he doesn't come off that way in literally anything else. Because when he's playing Hawk, Hawk has a very similar personality to Batman. Sure. Right. The only difference is Hawk's alter ego is a football jock that's angry where batman's alter ego or playboy billionaires yeah, yeah, yeah that's, that's hard that's hard to so between that i mean it's just like with the batman stacking you got guys that got good batman and bad bruce wayne uh and with spider-man you have the same thing i mean is toby a good peter parker yeah is he a great spider-man well i mean he's okay then andrew came along and andrew's a great spider-man but his Peter Parker is too hip and creepy. Liar. I loved Andrew Garfield. Hey, I loved Andrew Garfield. Too hip and creepy. They even say, even in the third movie, they admit it. Too, too hip and creepy. Third movie being part three of the current Spider-Man series. Oh, oh. Part, yeah. All of them in there. Oh, wait, oh. He has a line of dialogue in the movie where they, Toby Spider-Man asks Andrew Spider-Man about his girlfriend in life. And he's like, I've never been good at the Peter Parker stuff. That's his line. Mm-hmm. Which I think is spot on, because that's what most people don't like about his Spider-Man. And this Peter Parker in the animated one. Uh, the dude from... Oh, gosh. Uh, animated what? Uh, the Spider-Verse. Oh. It's uh, from a, a new, new girl. Yeah. Johnson. I can't remember his yeah, name. my favorite. <laughs> okay, but you get to choose two, because you have him and you have uh, Chris Pine. Because Chris Pine oh, is yeah. also... He's the one that the other, He's the Peter Parker that dies. Oh, you want the one that does it to dad? That, that's yeah, yep. crazy. So, so Mr. Star Trek? Yep. That's awesome. Same guy. Yeah, no, the the one that we see the rest of the time. That's Jake Johnson. I was going to burn out yeah. Spider-Man. That's yeah. my favorite. He's funny. He is. He is hilarious. That guy's, uh, he's pretty, he's really actually fairly, he's pretty talented, really. Oh, yeah. He just wrote a movie. 
He did. He directed it. Yeah. I was gonna say. He, I heard it was okay. He's uh, he's not, he's not bad. Like that guy's uh, he's got some, he's got some cool stories. There were some podcasts he was doing, some blogs, I guess, or podcasts, both the same thing that he was doing, and they talked about meeting some people, and it was a pretty cool. Like that guy's neat. I think it says he's a neat dude. But he has a live actor. I mean, you put him in a spider suit, that thing is gonna be god awful. That's true. <laughs> well, like who you want to like, it's fine. <laughs> Man. We could do a whole podcast on everything I've heard about Gun Universe. Oh, for sure. There's so much going on. I mean, and maybe that's what we'll do next time. I mean, we as do. far as a thing, people are like, we've heard that before. And I said, just keep telling your friends because come back. Yeah. And then I'll, I'll tell you that you're lying about it. Sure. It'll come out the next day. That it's the well, you know, oh, yeah, that... you, you didn't say I was lying. You're like, I don't think it's confirmed. And I said, confirm nothing. And then, you know, today it's confirmed. We're talking the Fantastic Four thing. Oh, really? yeah. Yeah, like as a thing, silly nonsense. Uh, anyway, that's all I really got for news. What was your transition you used earlier? Can we use it again? Let's do, do something else. Something about Berman, Berman, and then we'll do. Let's do something else. Yeah, let's do. Let's do something else. Not a good. Uh, we do have books to talk about. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Mr. Brown, do you want to do the Red Hood honors? No, I don't. I know. I'm sorry. Is that what you want me to do? I mean, I'll, we can do whatever you want to do. I'll do it. Okay. It's terrible, though. Okay, so we're doing uh, Red Hood, The Hill, number one. This is obviously DC Comics here. We have uh, Martinborough, Green, and Herms. I don't have a title page. What's everybody's name on it? That's interesting. Martin Burroughs is the one right hand. He wrote he wrote some of the previous stuff that was in the Zero issue. Uh, the artist is Sanford Green, who has been on the show a couple times too, and, and I think he's a fantastic human being, and I I like his art a lot. But Sanford's uh, he's done a few different things, and as far as uh, books and art is concerned, he's worked a lot for Marvel, and actually one of the pieces in my comic book shop um, up on the up along the ceiling line is his. Uh, but yeah, that's uh, that's enough of that. So uh, on the eve of the Joker War, we have a gentleman who's in a diner and he's chatting up the staff, talking about a lot of things. Again, if you haven't read Zero, please do because there's some characters in here who, in my opinion, don't make a lot of sense um, until you understand who they are, and where they come from. Um, they're talking about um, you know his olden days and back in the day and. Batman and Metropolis and so on and so forth and um well he's a fellow who's been known as a henchman who's henched for a lot Hank, of people yeah I, I, Hank the henchman he talks about Penguin and Two-Face and so on and so forth um, yeah this and this is a story that it, so just like this when we get to Wolverine they're both stories set in the past so these are things happening this piece is yes during the other time frame at least at the opening Eve of, Eve of Joker War yeah um, well, I believe we have brother and sister here, right? They're talking about, do you really believe that he worked for all those rogue galleries, so on and so forth? And, um, we move into, uh, we move into them speaking to I, what I believe is their mother, who's... I don't think that's who that really is. I think no? She's patron-wise. I think we're going to find out later who she really is. So, uh, an older woman sitting at, she's got long dreads and she's sitting there and... She says, uh, your father's medical bills are their, their father's been injured. They chat about that a little bit. 
Um, she, he was, he was run down in the Joker war, um, by a, by a rogue clown gang. Um, Joker and his terrorists ran down my old man. We got to just, just keep going. Um, she goes, where are all the police dead officers cannot stand pension or cannot spend dead officers cannot spend pensions, which I thought was a pretty good line. Um, yeah. And from there we have the clown gang or something of it kind of just shows up these three gentlemen they, they seem like choker gang right that's the way they appear yeah they're all all in mass there's matching for the most part and coming in they look very biker thug like one of them is sporting a batman shirt that's got a uh no symbol with the ghostbuster symbol yep. on it but with a batman instead um they won't hold up the place they pull out guns and you know there's there's obviously you know these guys are trying to stay alive the brother picks up a knife and um the joker guys like there'll be plenty of time for that my associates and i are here uh uh are here here the hill is prime real estate and these days well these days and unfortunately uh for you it's a taker's market which i i did think was clever um and you grandma give me that necklace they're sitting there and they're you know trying to hold everybody up and grandma takes an action she kicks a table and says uh uh commands die and she starts quoting this weird thing and she starts slicing these dudes up. She's got a sword or a knife, a knife, sorry. And there is blood everywhere. Crazy. And everywhere and everywhere. Well, the whole time she's talking, she's reciting over and over again that the balance has to be balanced. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, she takes out those dudes super handily. Uh, like, full on cut. Like, one dude get his head cut off. Like, it's. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's bloody. Um, oh, so then we do have a title page. I, I apologize. Sean Martinborough, Sanford Green, and Matt Herbs. There you go. Nice. Uh, we move to the present. We have uh, Stryker? Is yeah, it? Stryker. Um, talking to um, what looks like police. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're talking about what happened basically in this church. We come to find out that there's what appears to be, I'm sorry, I forgot these guys' names, Grim and Glee. They look like some kind of voodoo mask gentlemen, and they are basically holding up this pastor for, I, I don't even know what yet, well, honestly. So they're they're holding him up for for money because the pastor is not a normal pastor. He's also a gang leader rival that uses the church as his uh, safe haven, I guess. So he's not just a regular pastor. And they're in there basically trying to get him to sign a deed over to the property, uh, which is what they're trying to use the tablet oh, for. Yeah. So they're trying to basically steal the church from him mm -hmm. and rub him out in the mainstay uh, as a thing to take care of rival gangs. Um. The Grand Imperial have judged you cowards die many times before their death, and they basically go to uh, chop his head off, and somebody steps in, and it is a dude, or it's a striker, sorry, rather. Um, they fight, and this, this giant red dude, I don't think they say his name, they just say Grim and Klee. Um, he's got this devil mask kind of looking thing, um, and there's lots of shooting, and uh, striker gets beat up pretty hard actually like her her baskets oh yeah her the whole side of her helmet gets crushed in by these people and they they make it sound like they fought before yes so like she's in there fighting alone 
And then we get to the next leg of things while we kind of realize that she just is impetuous. Yep. And Red Hood bursts through the door with, what is this group called? The Strike Force? Strike Force. So there was a small team. So this is kind of like trying to build up the idea of Red Hood having his own blood haven uh, for the hill being his resident stomping ground. And back at the end of the Red Hood Wanted, we met all these characters in there. He has like his own, not necessarily bat force, but kind of bat force. They're wearing football pads. Yeah. And they're makeshift yeah, vigilantes. Yeah, they're makeshift vigilantes. Uh, yeah, 100%. So they jump in, and obviously they kind of, you know, do a lot of fighting. There's five shots fired, and then the red devil guy throws down a flashbang, and they take cover, and, you know, they kind of they disappear. Right. So even the odds enough with the Red Hood being there that the other gang leaves or runs. But only after they already got what they wanted. Yeah. Um, Pastor Jackson is dead. Um, they detonated a strobe EMP. The pulse could have killed us all. Um, yeah. So from there we move to... Oh, you should have... You should have... <laughs> Striker's like, you know, where were you? Or, uh, you should have... Red Hood says, you, you should have waited for a strike. And she says, you should have kept up, Red Hood. See you later. And she bounces. Um, Grim and Glee call the others to meet at midnight now. And we have this green figure. I must speak with the boss. Do you know who that green guy is? Well, I think it's the Red Devil Mask oh, guy. Just, he's, he's, just he's not actually green. It's the tone of the, the, the scene. But I'm pretty sure he's the Devil Mask guy, which I think might actually turn to be... Well, I think they say his name. But yeah, I don't, I don't remember either, to be honest. Um, from there, we go to um, Dimitri Kor Sr., who has owned a shop in the hill that sold shoes that was a front for drugs, drugs and guns. Yeah. Super high-tech guns. Yeah, he's talking to a reporter chatting up about how he's going to rebuild and, you know, support the community and so on and so forth. So this is Junior. His senior was arrested for a bunch of illegal activity, but his son is now since taken to, like, running his own Nike shop, except it's not Nike's because it's a different, it's its own made-up brand. Well, and they're all modeled after, if you read Zero or, what is it, 58 and 59 or whatever it was, they're modeled after this gentleman who has some kind of artiste thing involving rogues gallery of batman so there's a killer croc line there's a two-faced hoodie there's so on and so forth poison ivy shoes um from there we go to um striker who's they're hanging out with uh red hood and a couple other people at a party um this dialogue here i didn't find necessary for anything at all um I'm, but I'm butchering this book. It's a it's, it's a lot of get to know you stuff, and the idea that they're not just running around as vigilantes together; they they're friends, kind of, kind of. Yeah. In the zero issue, Red Hood winds up buying or renting out an apartment space that had been empty for a long time, and that's a piece that we're kind of coming back to because now the apartment's been filled. And Striker was supposed to watch it while she was while he's on it. He's having her babysit it while he was gone, and so she, their relationship is weird because. It's like that's his Robin when he needs her, mm-hmm. and then the rest of the time it's not. So it's a little it's a little stress there, I think. Um, th- then we have a meeting on the dock with our junior, 
because it's not senior, it's junior, with what appears to be the devil guy. Um, they're talking about how the deal went wrong and, you know, my dad had this, you know, agreement with you and you're kind of going back on it and it, it, yeah. Um, they're talking about Wayne Tech facility. Um, this is for your wife and daughter, Omac or Omar, sorry. So they're, they're, they're chatting about what the plan is next. They have a secret meeting. You said Omac and I thought something else. Omar, sorry. Oh, no, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, then we come back to Jason, um, He's cleaning his apartment. Um, he's chatting with a girl named Ortega, I want to say. Um, they kind of have flirty flirtness. Um, from there, we go back to Stryker. She's talking to Captain Battle. Um, she's talking about an informant, you know, that said that the massacre was the Black Mass gang. Um, and, excuse me, Battle saying that to Stryker. And he says, Junior seems clean. Um, and she's like, battle, we had a deal, and all of a sudden he gets shot. And we have people just see three legs um, sitting on top of a roof. And it says, the cop is irrelevant, but strike is mine. Uh, the Red Hood, the, the Watch, that's what they're called, the Watch. And every other agent of chaos in this city will be purged. And order will finally come to Gotham to be continued. That's just three people looks like somebody holding the gun and two people holding the bat bats and that's 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 where that nightmare of a book ends oh. <laughs> man. it's not good man it's not <laughs> well I, I, well wait how you really feel about it tyler it's a it's a one star i mean it, it's i'm really bummed about it and i read again zero you know and i i, I the art's a little better in this than it was in zero um, I think it's a convoluted story. I think there's a lot of stuff that I don't care about, character development that doesn't matter. Um, it, 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 I hate the Red Hood. That is the hoodie Red Hood, by the way. I much, pref much, much prefer the motorcycle helmet stuff. Um, this is the ha hashtag not my Red Hood, man. This is not, <laughs> this, not it for me, bro. Man. Not it for me. Oh, that's a, that's a, that's rough. But uh, you didn't see that coming. The, well, I mean, I know you love Red Hood. I didn't realize you had a flavor of Red Hood you particularly liked. Uh, when it comes to Batman, I guess I do have a flavor of Batman I like too, but... All of them? That's true. Adam West. I, well, Adam West would be my favorite, oh. but when it comes to costumes, I, I never really liked the headlamp costume, but half the time, that was Dick Grayson wearing it, so it wasn't quite the same anyway. But I love Grayson. Right. That's the right way to say it. Yeah. You know, um, Mr. Ross, you got to flip through it a little bit. I, I, I know you didn't really get to read it, but do you have any con any thoughts about it just from flipping through it? Uh, I liked the art in it. I thought the art was good. The characters, kind of like we're talking, I'm a little bit out of, the, out of the game here with this stuff. Red Hood, I definitely am with Tyler. I prefer a way different Red Hood than what we have going on here. Um, story because it's a number one i feel like you're getting a lot of setup and so maybe later it could pay off into something but as a number one it this did not hook me to be like oh i need to read this really thoroughly and then read the next one you know what happens in a number one you have this big panel at the end that's like oh who is that guy or oh here it comes yeah. and so this is a quarter panel that is lame and and you're like that's so poorly written and who cares and these watch people are lame. Like, I, I'm sorry. That's all right. 
I can step on with you. No, you're, you're, you're good. Yeah, yeah, I get exactly what you're saying. And that's kind of where I'm thinking too, is that if it would have ended in like Batman would have shown up or, you know, one of the Robins or Superman or something crazy that you didn't even expect. Swamp Thing shows up at the end of Sure. It. They would have been like, holy cow, I got to read the next one of these and see what happens. <laughs> but to get Swamp Thing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Swamp Thing shows up at the end and I'm probably going to read the next one. That's all I'm saying. Right. Yeah. As far as fit in the world, I can see what you guys are saying. I do feel like the zero, the, the zero, it really helps having the zero. But even that is a far cry backwards. The Zero had this dude, I'm sorry. The Zero had this dude who took a, what was it? It was a uh, Greek uh, uh, bust and took some kind of inspiration from it and made his face white and put Gotham and then blood tears. And it was, he was something Johnson Max or something. And he was yeah. working with Killer Croc who looked terrible at he was the designer guy of the shoes and he was trying to force them to carry the next line of shoes or killer croc flavored and killer croc went out a lot so he could make some money off of it and made out of killer croc no and just designed designed to look like killer and killer croc's wearing he's dressed like an easter he's dressed like an absolute doofus and he's drawing even worse he has that problem barely the zero issue is entirely different he is right there it's really bad. Yeah, that's like hashtag so, not my killer so crop. There he goes. Waylon Jones is a cool character, not some chump <laughs> who's out there looking for money. I'm sorry. It reminds me of uh, Mister Fix It. Is what there you go. He does. Yeah, yeah the, the outfit definitely Mister Fix It. Well, that was an entirely different artist, also. Like the Zero issue came out is what it really is. Is issue fifty one and fifty two of the end of the previous Red Hood series. It was called Red Hood Wanted. So that's really what it is. Uh, collected as a zero to help sell the pieces that would make... Like, who's Stryker? Well, that kind of tells us who Stryker is. Stryker's dumb. Well, I mean, she's new, so... So's the watch. Well, I mean... There's all she's the... She's really vibes right now. I'm so you sorry. totally are. I'm you so totally sorry. Are. I just... I didn't like the book. It's yeah. understandable. Not everything's so supposed to room. See, now what I wonder... Is because I haven't gone back to the start of when Batman and the Outsiders started. Right. Is if this could have a similar vibe to the Outsiders before they were something. I think so. I'm thinking, right, the Outsiders, those characters existed before. They did. Yeah. Like, all the Outsiders were collected from books from other other time frames. I mean, Katana existed before, so did Metamorpho. Yeah. Like, the, the Outsiders weren't all new characters at the start. These characters are still really new, and I'm going to say I don't think we've seen any of them. Okay, I'm not entirely sure about that. I don't feel like we've seen them since they appeared in the Red Hood. Right. So I would say they're all centrifugal to that batch of story. Red Hood stuff. And I can't be 100% sure about that because maybe one of them showed up someplace else, but I don't I don't remember that. Right. Um, and Tommy Max, he wasn't like a great bad guy, but we had the same problems with Nightwing whenever they had him running around as Batman. We introduced the Flamingo to try to be his Joker, sort of. And the only bad guy that survived out of that to be anything really. I mean, the Flamingo did show up recently in Catwoman. Oh, he did? I've... He did. But the only one that really showed up out of that as a big bad guy was Professor Pig. Right. And Professor Pig, he started out as a Nightwing Batman, as a Nightwing being Batman, right. Arch. Yeah, yeah. And now he survived forward and been used 
primarily by Batman, actually. I just never got the impression that they were like trying to make those the next big villains for him. That's just how I correlated them, being like, oh, here's Batman's rogues, and here's Red Hood's rogues, and here's right. Dick Grayson's rogues. It, it's not exactly what they are, but I feel like that's what they were trying to channel when they were doing it. Gotcha. So with Tommy Max, the same thing. I, that's the easiest thing I can equate it to. Right. But they also kill him off in those books, so he's not even a thing anymore. You know that this is a rewritten story, right? The the the, the hill is right. Okay, just check. A rewritten story. Yes, the, they it's it, it originally was in 1999, and it was a Batman thing, and they only got four issues out of it. It's reframed around Jason Todd, also. Yes, so it's not exactly a rewritten book. It's a story that's been adapted to be reframed. A different story. Yes. That's crazy. So based off something else. Does that happen a lot that I just don't know about? You know, I have seen books released by other companies that are the same books, but they're the exact same books. That's such a weird thing. I've never heard of that happening before. I was just gathering was news before we started the show, and I saw that, and I was like, oh my god, I just read this book that I did not like, and they, it's a rewritten version of it. Weird. Yeah. And it's the same guy who wrote the one back in 2000 or 1999. It's the same writer. I like that idea. And I only like it reminds me of um, Star Wars stuff. Sure. How like uh, when Disney got Star Wars, they got Timothy Zahn to come back in and rewrite Thrawn stuff. Yeah. And it was a totally different variation, but you kind of had the original guy involved. So it fit better. So I like the idea of you taking the original guy and making him adapt his own. Yeah, I do want to. Yeah, but holy cow, that's such a weird thing to do in general. Did the first one sell good? I've never even heard of that before. It, it doesn't sound like it, it. didn't. It didn't sell super good. It was controversial at the time, but it was also because the way the neighborhood was painted had a level of controversy about it. I see. Um, so this new modern telling, the world's just changed a lot. So, gotcha. And the story was an overlooked city where Batman didn't have enough time to take care of it. And then it becomes about Batman's follies trying to police the entire area. I see. So it also is a pain, story that kind of painted Batman in a negative light, which doesn't go well for people. You're like, oh, Red Hood instead. Sure. Right. Well, the Red Hood coming up and taking it over, I don't think it'll fall the same way for Red Hood. Right. But as a thing, it's, yeah, it's a reimagining of that story. So what did you think about it overall? I mean, score-wise, I'd probably give it a, a two because I love Sanford Green. Like, I think that guy is a great guy. I like his art a lot. Um, I'm a little surprised. The story is a little... Well, it's because the story is harder. Right. And it, it's not like... You know, maybe a two and a half, I guess. Again, the, the art is reflected a lot for me. Because, I because again, I think Sanford's awesome. Like I said, he's been on the show multiple times. Uh, I talk to the guy every year when I at conventions when I see him. Right. So like. Yeah, I like the art too. I think the right. art is is good. I think it's definitely his style for sure. Right. So. I mean, it was is that enough to sell six issues? Well, I I don't know. We'll see what the next issue has in store for it, and if if the first issue is a little rough because these characters are not characters we know. I mean, if that cast of characters in. Um, Red Hood's apartment where Barbara and Dick and Jason would that feel different? Or not Jason, sorry, Barbara, Dick, and Tim would it feel different? Probably. Oh yeah. I mean it wouldn't work, but yeah. No. It'd be a different set of dialogue, but as like a thing, 
the reframing might be different. But yeah, I, I mean, I would give it a two and a half. But again, I, lo I love the artist, so. Right. And story-wise, I don't think I've ever even read the original story, but because of the write-ups, I'm aware of what you were looking at article-wise. That's, yeah, that's crazy. Because I don't think I've ever actually read the original. I'm middle of the road on the art. I thought it was fine. Uh, but again, you know, I read three books tonight, and our next one is superior by far in the art, and it is incredible. So it's it's tough when you read, oh, this is okay, and then you read this amazing book. Yeah, yeah, and you're like, oh, this art's different. phenomenal. So it, right. yeah. But I hate to stop it, but I need to go. So. All right. Well, Mr. Ross, yeah, we'll see, see you later, buddy. Thanks for stopping by. All right, guys. Take it easy, buddy. We'll talk to you later. All right. Well, after the departure of Mr. Ross, uh, so we'll move on to the next book, which is The uh, the One Hand. This is from Image Comics. Uh, it's written by Mr. Ram V, who uh, we've reviewed a whole handful of his books on the show. He's, uh, he's fantastic. Um, the uh, art on the book... Is done by uh, Lorenz Campbell, and there's a sl slew of other names with the colorist and production, and so that's as far as I'm going to go with that. Um, but yeah, the book opens up, and we're in a darkened room, and we got two people talking. And as the conversation goes on, we wind up learning that this is a police officer who's having his exit review, uh, being interviewed by uh, by a doctor. Shrink. So she's making sure he's okay for transition into normal life, and. As he goes on about, it, he tells her that yeah, you're you're fine. I'm fine. This is not you're you're wasting your time doing this talk. I know you have to, but I'm fine. I'm not the type that's gonna lose my mind and go shoot places up or whatever. And the, the dialogue, it, it's this is a bridge dialogue, so you know, as a thing, we see flashes of of her and flashes of him and things in the office. And he, uh, as the conversation goes on, we start moving backwards into like like why she has to interview at all. And uh, from there, we cut to a scene of him outside of a murder scene. And uh, the dialogue goes on talking about his biggest case ever. The scene outside is not happening in real time. This is his memory of it. Correct. We get there, and he, he goes across the police line. We got a lot of we got a lot of interior and in, internal monologue going on through the whole book. And he talks about how uh, the world around him is and that how we went to the first first time we went to the crime scene, how things looked. And the dark is, is really pretty and very, uh, I don't know, modern noir, I would say. I get a strong Blade Runner feel for a lot of it. Love that. Well, we get we get a little farther down the road, we find that yeah, out yeah, to be more true than not. Mm -hmm. uh, we get to the first big splash page. Inside, we have a wall that's got a bunch of markings on it that are all in red. It's a cipher of some sort. Right, an encrypted message. And then at the end of it, there's a handprint. And uh, there's a, a big thing covered on the ground, which we find out later is a body. And uh, as they're photographing, he's studying all the markings, and we center in on one particular marking. And we go over the idea of this, this criminal who had murdered and left these ciphers, and eventually he's the one that cracked the case. And as we go over a little more, he's still talking. We flash back to the office where he's talking to the doctor. And he's like, you don't have to worry. I'm not the type that's going to be a problem. And she's like, the type. And then we see a flashback to when he was a kid. And when he was a kid, he, him and a couple of friends, I think one of them was his brother, I guess. I can't remember if they were both, how they were connected. But the, the group of them stole a briefcase. And they stole a briefcase from his old man, and he was left alone with the briefcase. And he couldn't let it be, because he wanted to know what was inside the briefcase. Because the briefcase was a fairly expensive briefcase. And so while the other two boys went out to try to figure out a way to break open the case, he solved the cipher 
of the dial lock to open the briefcase. He explains to it that he went by doing 100200 till he figured out the code and opened it. And he did it in a matter of time that was not that long because he opened it before the boys came back. Yeah, long enough for those kids to come back and go, oh, you opened it. And inside there wasn't anything of matter. Little cash and some files mainly. So not anything that was, the briefcase itself was more expensive than everything inside. It's a great job in depicting how meticulous, and he, he, he again, we're abridging, you know, what what he's saying to this um, shrink, but uh, it, it, of how meticulous of a character he is about puzzles, about taking his time, about um, stopping to smell the roses, if you will, and, you know, sit in something. And he's methodical about methodical. what he does. It. That's that's. She asks him, well, what's he going to do? And he tells her, well, you know, he's thought about going downtown. He has a friend that runs a gym down there that used to train boxers. And maybe he'll do that for a while because in his youth he trained boxers. Uh, but he says his goodbye. He leaves. And she tells him to take care of if he has any problems to get a hold of her. And he's like, yeah, sure thing. Uh, and then we get a scene of the city. And this is the first time that we realize that we are not, not in the present. Uh, the city itself is uh, much like Blade Runner. And we don't necessarily see flying cars, but the city itself is uh, not a uh, a small town city. And we've got kids on hoverboards, uh, but everything is very, like you said, very Blade Runner esque. And we find out that we are in Neo Novin, Novena, I think is how they say the city. And the year is actually twenty eight seventy three, so we are far in the future. So we get a shot from there until we see uh, a finger making marks on a wall that is red. And then we go for a few more panels and see these shapes are very much like the other shapes that we saw in the crime scene in the flashback. And then we come from there to see a man leaving a room, and inside the room there's definitely a dead body. Definitely. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's a mess. So there's a lot of visuals in the book as it moves, uh, but we go from there to what is the retirement party. Mm-hmm. So it's his, uh, congratulations, you're retiring, there's a cake, and he's Ari. Saying, saying goodbye to people. Yeah, Ari is Ari, the Ari is his name. And so we're at the police center, and uh, Ari's in there cleaning out his desk and putting things away. And we see a, a fella show up in the rain, of course, come in in a very big hurry, dressed in like a, uh, I don't know, like a golf cap. Mm-hmm. And uh, he scoots past Ari. They have a few words, and of course, you know, he's not the f- biggest fan of Ari. Um, he flips him off. Ari opens up the present that he's given, and it's a watch, of course. And he's like, yeah, yeah, watch. But he starts paying attention to the man is because the man went directly from flipping him off into the captain's office. And as he's walking, watching, he's like, oh, man, what is going on in there? Which leads Ari to enter the lieutenant's office. Um, and he says, what is going on here? I need to know what's happening. She's like, what do you mean? Nothing's going on. He's like, oh, that's bull. I'm, I've been here long enough that when something's important and when something matters. And so she uh, gestures to a, a file on the desk. And uh, the other guy starts talking to him, too, and we find out that, uh, well, the killer he arrested's back. Or, again, more ciphers happening, and we have another bloody handprint. And he's like, we, we find out that the truth is that he's stopped this particular serial killer twice, two different times. Yep. And both times, they were different people. Mm-hmm. They thought the first one was the correct one, and then they thought the second one was the copycat. And now this has shown up. Right. We go over that through the next few pages, finding out that the original arrest was airtight. It was there was definitely the guy who did it. And then when the second one happened, well, they painted it as a copycat, like you said. And now here we have another. 
And he's like, you have to give me this case. And she's like, no, no, you're done. He's like, I have your paperwork. He's like, yeah, but you haven't turned that paperwork in. Put it at the bottom of your desk. Lose it for a few weeks. I need to be on this case. And so she reluctantly agrees, making him the second on the case and the other guy the lead. And the two of them leave to go to the crime scene because he needs to see the crime scene. And we get there and it's another lot of scenes like what we just saw before in the flashback. It's a wall covered in these markings that are shaped in boxes that are some type of cipher with a handprint. And as he's looking at him, he's like, well, this one's got something new at the end. That's, that's different. It's an unfinished piece. What could that mean? And so from there, he takes to you know, having a conversation with the detective saying he's going to leave. He's got to go. He's like, I'm out. And he goes uh, wandering around for a little while, and we get a lot more inner monologue, and we see the city being afraid of this killer being back. And, well, if this killer is the original killer, well, what about the other two killers? Have they been wrong the entire time? Right. Have they, yeah. The, the city's worried because it's leaked that there's a killer on the loose, and wait a minute, we, you know, locked up two people already for this. What's going on? Right. And from there, we uh, join Ari and a, and a lady, and, you know, it's a woman of the night type. The two of them are talking, and going over what the killer did and how the killer the killer is still out there and should she feel safe should she feel scared and we get a lot of uh monologue between the two of them monologue we get a lot of conversation between the two of them about how dangerous it is and how it should be dangerous for him and she's and he'll protect her and yeah right and then partway through the conversation all of a sudden they kiss and all of a sudden her face freezes and her eyes go weird like, one eye rolls backwards in her head. It's, it's It looks like she has a stroke. It is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. And we see this lightning bolt flash, and he freaks out, and he puts on his shirt, and he runs into the hallway, and we find out that we're in, like, a working girl brothel. And that, well, she's a robot girl. They're all robots, yeah. And uh, all the robots inside have been going bronkers because of something to do with the power surge. Yep. And he's... Talking to the head mistress, and she's like, don't worry, we'll get you a refund, it'll be fine. He's like, I'm more just worried that she's okay. Is she going to be cold? As if she has feeling. actual feeling. And uh, he excuses himself, tells her there's no need for a refund, just make sure that she's not going to be scared and cold, which is freaking pretty crazy, but it's a very Blade Runner-esque yeah, yeah, Very much so. He's like, I'll see myself out. And he leaves. And so we go from there, we, we get some dialogue that He's written in something that was written down by the killer, and it's more of him reviewing things in his mind while he wanders around the city. And at one point, he comes across this uh, hobo type that's, you know, preaching the end of the world and blah, blah, blah. And behind him, he sees a couple people tagging a building. And so he chases after the people tagging, and he catches them with his hand that's like a uh, mannequin android hand. Correct. And they're using it to mark up the city like the red hand from the murders. And he shakes this kid down. He's like, oh, man, you gotta give us a break. We're just messing around. He's like, where'd you get that hand? He's like, well, from the dumpster behind the uh, brothel place. There's all kinds of them. There's all kinds of parts over there. You can get whatever you want. And uh, as he's looking at the spray-painted hand, which it's an outline of the hand. Right, so the negative of the actual, yeah, right. marking. As he's looking at it, he notices something. And uh, it freaks him out. And he runs back to the squad to see the pictures from the desk. Uh, that they took at the scene and he goes back he's like I have to get back into the scene I gotta see it now and when they get back inside there he's reviewing the handprint on the wall because what he saw attracted him to the handprint and there's another smudge on the outside of this handprint so where your where your pinky is it would be to the right of your right of your uh, lowest knuckle on your pinky there's a smudge 
right there. And, but it's a smudge that looks like a fingerprint. Correct. And so this has led him to believe, as he's talking to Mac on the phone, that what they're looking for is actually a man with six fingers. Uh, and that is where the book wraps for the first issue. Pretty good cliffhanger, pretty crazy stuff. Um, Do you happen to have six fingers on your left hand? Right. Uh, very, yeah, yeah. Inigo Montoya. That was the first thing I thought of, and I was like, yeah, man, the kill I love it. I love it. Um, it. The book is really good. Ram V is a good writer. Like uh, I like him a lot. If you like crime noir stuff, this is a great book. Um, the art's good. It's gritty. It fits the story really well. If this was a Batman book, I, it would still fit a Batman book. But if this was like, I don't know, an Avengers book, I'd say it'd be off. Um, only because the style of art lends to this noir, modern noir that's going on. Um, so it's great. Uh, and again, Ram V is a fantastic writer. This book has something else about it that we can talk about in just a second. Uh, Score-wise, I mean, I give it a, I give it a four because it's a, it's a really interesting read. Yeah, there's lots of things akin to to to, to uh, Blade Runner, and I am a fan of Blade Runner also. So maybe I'm it's I'm more in my wheelhouse than other things. Sure, but I think that's where I'd land with it because the, the writing is interesting. All the monologue and the, and the interior thought process that we get in the book is very much better than my description of the book. It, yeah, in a bridge version, it doesn't do it justice. Not at all. It's very well written. I, without just reading the entire book, and even then, I think it'd probably come off weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for those other pieces, you, you you would have to check in the book and read it. Uh, it's going to be a six-part miniseries, so the series itself is not super, super long, but it's, again, it's a, it's a mystery. So what the truth is and how this truth is a thing uh, is the interesting part of the question. Uh, Mr. Tyler, where would you land that book on this scale? I, I, I'm going to give it a four and a half. I, I love the art. I love the dialogue. Um, anything in that kind of neo-noir setting I, I i just dig um whether it's cyberpunk looking or blade runner looking i'm in again just like you said if this was a batman book i, I, I would i would love it i was actually just kind of came to my mind i read the blade runner book for a long time and if it was done in this art it would have been even better i would have absolutely loved some of that art um in there the story's great um yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm having a hard time not giving it a five. Other than, I might have to. I, yeah, I think I have to give it a five. I don't. I really don't see a, 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 a anything wrong with it. Um, yeah, I loved it. It's, it's the book of the night for me by far. Leaps and bounds. Right on. So the second thing about this book is it has a companion book that hasn't come out yet. Oh, really? Yes. That is the interesting twist. The companion book is written by Dan Waters. Uh, it's a separate writer. But the companion book is called The Six Fingers. Oh, okay. And uh, it is about uh, the killer. Okay. And the two of them are going to release simultaneously. Um, The next book comes out, I think, next week. And it is not necessarily written in a way that the two books require each other. Okay. But it's uh, two different views of what is happening. You know what else this reminds me of? And I, 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 not to bring it to the movie world, but it reminds me of Seven. Very much sure. so. Yeah. yeah. It's very seven serial killer vibe, which I totally dig. Sure. Well, even the way things are colored in the scheme of mm-hmm. the coloring. And the rain and the yeah. you know, the city look. And yeah, it's very well done. I'm, I'm going to have to give it a five. I, I, I super enjoyed it. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the two books line up because both of them in their writing and we're not necessarily writing them in tandem. 
That they're is just separate pieces of the same story. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the other book is because it's not the same artist either. Hmm. Uh, the only thing it really matches is the covers because the covers are akin to each other. The A's and the B covers line up to fit. With the cipher? Yes. I like that even more. Right. Uh, A covers on the um, one hand or the... Uh, Six-fingered? The six-finger is yellow. Okay. And the B cover is red. And those two colors are reversed on this series. So the A's and the B's are the ones that apply. Hey. A cover, the cover I'm holding, which for the audience at home is red, has a fingerprint ground. Yeah. The fingerprint. The other cover will line up as the B cover. Got it. Very cool. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see what those look like when the other books come out. Because uh, they are, again, like the, they are akin to each other as two parts of the same story. Um, so it'll be neat to see how that happens. Dan Waters is a good writer, too. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. See, that's how you do a number one. Figure it out, DC. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, it's rough. Okay, so from there, we'll move on to Wolverine, Badger, Poor Knights. I'm going to have to ask you to help me with this guy, buddy. I will start it. So we have Wolverine Mad Report Knights. Number one, Marvel Comics. Um, sorry, let me get to the page here. So we writer is uh, Chris Claremont. Our artist is Edgar Salazar. And our colors is Carlos Lopez. And like I said earlier, this guy's another insert book in time. Uh, so Chris Claremont, and for those of you that are not X-Men fans... Wrote a lot of really popular X-Men stuff back in the 80s and 90s. Like a lot. And this particular book actually lines up with a book from his runs. From the Uncanny X-Men is the issue that it lines up with. Uh, which was a crossover... 268. So, 268. editor's note here. No, you're good. Uh, this story takes place shortly after Uncanny X-Men number 268. Which is a fairly famous cover. If you don't know the cover, I'm sure you've seen it. It repurposed. The original cover has Captain America, Black Widow, and Wolverine all standing in tandem with each other. That particular cover's been reused or remade homage-style a bunch. Anyway, the, yeah, so this is an insert in time to that previous storyline. Um, we have a lot of internal dialogue in this with Logan kind of speaking to himself. He's kind of laying out the players and who he's with. Um, we have Logan slash Wolverine. We have Black Widow slash... Natalia, Natasha Romanoff, we have Jubilee slash Jubilation Lee, uh, and Psylocke, who is uh, Betty Braddock. Um, he's talking about how, you know, the kid, Jubilee, he doesn't want to leave her side, and um, they're here to, you know, celebrate an X-Men win. Um, obviously, they've done something that's pretty cool. We do have Logan with the eye patch in this, which everybody loves. Um, funny enough, speaking of, I do believe... This particular Logan showed up in our most recent Deadpool 3 trailer. That's, that's, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, so he's talking to the ladies. He's talking to Psylocke and um, Romanoff about finding their uh, contact, whatever they're trying to do here while they're um, in Madripoor. Again, we have internal dialogue talking. Logan speaking about how he needs to make sure that Jubilee's kind of on a short leash and how Natasha Romanoff and him go way, way, way back. Um, from there, we have th three days ago, Natasha Romanoff came back um, and ran into trouble, same as she did when she was a kid, and they show then in 1941, um, and you have Logan coming in with a samurai sword and Captain America coming in to um, save 
Natasha Romanoff. Um, same as now. The only thing this time, instead of Cap, backup was provided by Betts being Psylocke and Jubilee. Um, so this also, again, comes from Uncanny X-Men 268. So they're having a time in there. They, again, they're in Madripoor. It seems like a casino almost. Yeah, casino hotel. The Divine is yes. what it's called. Um, he does talk about how the Divine is an amazing tower, but it became obsolete the moment it was made, and they have the 2K going up next door, which is the next best thing. Um, from there, we have Captain America smashing through glass, um, and you're going to have to tell me what these guys' name. They are the Mad, Mad, Magi? Well, they, they're, they're Hand Ninjas. Hand, that's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. Hand Ninjas smashing through with Captain America right in front of our uh, quattro of heroes here. They're, you know, hitting swords, and Cap does some amazing Cap stuff. Um, and, of course, Logan's thinking to himself, man, Cap sure does know how to make an end. <laughs> um, it's a pretty cool splatter page, because, yeah, as he smashes through cool. the window, yeah. there's like seven ninjas behind him. A Jenin, that's what they're called. Jenin. Uh, baseline troops of the ancient assassins, also called the Hand. Uh, they consider themselves to be the best in the world, but I'm better. But right now, I'm not functioning at the top of my game. My healing factor is not working right now. So his healing factor is on the fritz. And we see him again, he's, you know, got a problem with his eye, and he snicks, which is the official term. Is it snick or snink? No, it's snick. Snick. And we see him, you know, bring out his um, claws, and he's bleeding profusely all over this white tuxedo oh, yeah. uh, that he's uh, wearing. Yeah, really makes me cranky, and you wouldn't like me when I'm cranky, which I thought was a, a, a funny line. From there, we have Zyla, or excuse me, Romanoff saying, I'm surprised to see you here, Steve. And he says, would you believe me if I just told you I was in the neighborhood? I, I had to chuckle at that. I was like, that just sounds like something you could see oh, for Steve sure. Rogers absolutely yeah. doing. She says, you're cute when you disassemble. And he says, I am not cute, but I'm sorry. I wasn't there when you needed me. And she says, if you say so. They continue to fight um, with these Jedi. Um, and uh, he's, she, uh, uh, Psylocke's trying to get through to them um, telepathically, but she can't because apparently they don't feel feelings. Yeah, once they're once they're this level, the hand basically it's not just brainwashed ninjas. It's uh, they're like functioning automatons. Like they don't have any. Well, later we'll see one, and there is smoke coming out of them. Now, which I don't re recall ever seeing that happen. Ever. They're all it's all magic and oh, magic. So, like, the same way Elektra was resurrected by the Hand, the way the Hand resurrected the Punisher's wife, and the way their Hand resurrected Daredevil, they're all weird magic, culty stuff. And so, like, just like the Court of Owls, once Owls are killed and they're resurrected, they're not really themselves. themselves yeah. It's the same idea. Talents that are not real people. Yes. They are not there. It's exactly the same concept, except ninjas. Thank you for making that more DC for me. I appreciate sure. it. Yeah. You know where my strengths lie. Well, I figured that was this an easy explanation for everyone, really. Right. I mean, if you have dealt with the Court of Owls at all, then you know how the Owls work. And there's very few of them that are straight-up talons that are treated differently. Mm -hmm. But same thing with the Hand Ninjas. There's all the foot soldiers, which is what these guys are. And then there's others higher up the food chain. Um, Psylocke's trying to keep the fight focused on her. Essentially, they're kind of all banded together and basically said, hey, we need to you know, protect Jubilee. She's you know the young kid. She takes her... Uh, psionic blade and stabs one right under the chin and she's like oh no nothing happened and she's like oh that's right idiot they can't do anything it's not going to hurt them physically they're not they don't have any feelings so um, none of my powers can do them any harm 
So we'll have to do this old-fashioned style. And she picks up a katana and gets ready to fight them all. And Jubilee smacks them with their with their with their crack snap crackle pop, poppity 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 with her fireworks. Yeah, she hits it with some fireworks. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, so she's sort of depowered too because recently she saved Wolverine from getting dead by using her fireworks. Correct. So even she's functioning at not full power. And this is still Jubilee before she was a vampire when she was a kid. I mean, this is yeah, a time beast. Yeah, yeah. So she's, this is early, this is first generation X-Men Jubilee. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I, you know, uh, she tries to hit another one with the, with the fireworks and it kind of goes fizzle, fizzle, fizzle. And she's like, oh no, I'm out of power. Um, you know, she's like, that's totally not fair. And from there we have Logan Snake and he's just rips through this, this Jedi. Um, and they're basically just having a ball ripping through all these guys. Um, yeah, he takes out swords. He takes out people. He takes out their face. He's, you know, and he's the whole time he's yelling at Cap and yelling at, um, Psylocke and Romanoff to make sure that Jubilee is taken care of. So from there, we, uh, for the fight's over, um, and we have a good line here. And, um, Logan says, uh, don't need Betsy's telepathy. Uh, I hear, I hear what everyone's thinking. I'm the best at what I do, and what I do best isn't very nice. Which is a good Wolverine quote. Classic line. Classic Chris Claremont. Classic. Um, from there, the Jedi keep showing up, um, and they kind of dive through the, the, the skylight or wherever they come from. They kind of, you know, are like cockroaches that come out of everywhere. Um, from there, we have um, a woman tribe of Man, they look awesome. These women in these super cool silver uniforms. Um, and Logan's like, this is where things get interesting. He calls them the Bakay. Um, they seem to be a lo- local to Majapur. Um, and they're basically, um, you know, getting ready to square off with the Gen, Gen, Genai, Gen, Genin. Um, and the four of them, five of them now, including Captain America, are all swept up by some kind of rope of some sort. Um, we have Jubilee screams Wolver, and the next page she says Ean, and she's flying through the air. Um, all five of them are. And uh, they're headed towards, they're not quite sure, it looks like the construction of the new tower, which is the K2. Right. Um, they drop in there, and um, we see another one of these, um, Bakay, and she says, we mean you no harm, we are friends. And Logan says, I'll vouch for her, been a while, Sabrina. And she says, you've looked better, Logan. And he says, don't you start, woman. She says, I merely speak the truth. And he says, appreciate the rescue. Um, they could get to talking um, about what's going on in, in, in uh, Magapur, Ma- uh, Madripoor. Yep. Um, about the uh, Bakare's rep isn't quite um, one the Avenger would approve of. And how, you know, Logan's able to work with him. But Cap might not necessarily be interested um, all the time, it seems like Psylocke's trying to telepathically get in her head, um, Miss Sabrina, and she is blocking her out, making sure that she can't. Um, again, in our inner, you know, thought process here, we have Logan basically saying, you know, tell me what she's thinking, and, she, and Psylocke says she's legitimately scared, like she, she can't. Um, and all the while, again, saying that, you know, we need to make sure that we can take care of Jubilee, um, uh, I need to keep Jubilee safe is what Psylocke's saying. Uh, and she says, you have my low, my word, Logan. And Sabrina says, mine too. 
And of course, Jubilee being Jubilee says, no, I can take care of myself. He says, uh, that's, I don't have time for that. So Psylocke, you know, proceeds to take Jubilee away. And we then are left with Logan, uh, Natasha and Cap. And we have a good conversation here about, um, why he's taking care of Jubilee and how he, you know, her energy was low and so on and so forth. Um, and then we have, which I, I really liked this. Natasha's like, Jubilee uh, spoke of taking care of you, which is what you just talked about. And she said, kid, kids spark, darling, our kids speak, darling, I'm fine. And then we go back to, uh, uh translate. She's speaking to him in Russian. Um, and she says, and your healing ability. And he says, you know, it's kind of on the fritz. Not sure, you know, what I'm going to do. Um, and we've been fighting for our lives. Madridor isn't the Avengers usual, or Madripoor isn't usually the Avengers turf cap. Oh, I was on a case when I learned you were in the vicinity, so I thought I'd touch base. This is Cap talking. Um, see if you considered a team up. And Wolverine says, frankly, mister, you know the true, or, or excuse me, Cap is still saying, frankly, mister, you know, you know the turf, you know the players, and we could use, I very much appreciate the help. He's like stammering over his words, trying to, um, the whole thing where Cap's like trying to ask for help and Wolverine's willing to help him but needs to be asked. Right. Yeah. You, like, you got to say the words, dude. Yeah. You, you, you uh, come come clean with it because, yeah. you know. So they get the they get the words together and they, they the mission isn't exactly kind of given, but it seems that they have a similar cause and uh, they all put their hands in together and you see Logan say, all right, Cap, what's the next move? And we do to be continued. So it becomes a team-up of team-ups with the group, and we send Jubilee off to be taken care of, kid-style. Um, but yeah, the way this guy fits, it sits between a batch of issues that happened in the past. And Chris Claremont is something that's kind of cool, because you don't notice it in books, but there's not a lot of thought bubbles in current comic books. There really isn't. And this is full of it, because that's how Claremont writes, and that's the time frame he's from. And even the stuff with like them being linked together... With Betsy communicating in in their heads for her powers, is something we don't see a lot either in modern books. It just doesn't happen the same way it used to. So that's really neat. I mean, the art is styled in a way that fits that time frame too. So they they picked art that fits the book for what time frame is supposed to be happening in. Uh, Mr. Tyler, you got a score for that book? Yeah, I'd give it a three. I thought it was fine. It's a classic team-up story. It's fun. There's a lot of... And again, we're abridging, you know, I, we don't want to read your word for word, but we are abridging kind of, you know, what... I tried to get a couple of the clips in there, and they're they're funny. I mean, I laughed out loud a couple of times. It's like, that's clever. Um, and there are some awesome moments. Obviously, Logan in the white tuxedo with the eye patch and him bleeding all over the place. Um, yeah, it's a classic team-up thing, and it's... Um, it just kind of never goes out of style, really. I, I I enjoyed it, and I again, you know, I'm not the giant uh, Marvel guy, but uh, this was this was right up my alley. Well, I I follow with that score wise. I give it I give it a three also. Score wise, did you say three three now? I said three. Okay, so I'll give it a three as well. Uh, books fun. If you like classic X Men stuff, then this is right in that avenue. I mean, it's Clear's Claremont, so like again, he's one of the people that shaped with X Men are now. And he wrote a lot of stuff through the 80s and 90s. Even the art seems very classic. It is. Golden Age stuff. And it's yeah. very enjoyable. So fit-wise, the book is designed to fit as an older book because it's tailored to be part of an older story. Mm -hmm. 
And they've been doing a lot of that over at Marvel lately, and I can't say every one of them is a win. But this one I feel like was really good because I, I like this combination of characters. We get to see Black yeah. Widow in her old uh, Nuna suit, I guess, with the short hair, mm -hmm. which hasn't been a thing we've seen in quite a while. So I do like getting to see that old costume. The green one? Is it green? It's gray. No, she's wearing a green Nike, green dress. Oh, no, th well, that's different. Oh. Where she's wearing the dress is not her costume. Her costume is what she's wearing on the front. Oh, Great God. uniform. The one, one we see her tied up in before we go to the dinner party. Yes. Dinner party's a green dress, but that's yeah. never been a uh, full costume by any means. The gray costume is her uh, actual outfit during that time frame. And the short hair uh, was also akin to that time frame of comics for her. Uh, we kind of see the flashback for a couple of seconds. Where she that's right, and the flashback, yeah. Yeah. With she got the little, instead of having uh, the logo that's just the the red symbol that Natasha wears. She has the actual is, spider. She has the actual spider on the, on the that is a classy brooch costume. area. That's a classy costume. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I give the three as well. Um, like I said, if you're a fan of any of the old school characters, this will be right up your alley. Um, as far as stories concerned. I don't see Psylocke in books anymore, to be honest. like Well, they split her from being one person. So, Betsy Braddock. Yeah, right. Psylocke. He's a personality and a body mixed together. So original Betsy Braddock has a pinkish purple hair, I guess, more pink. He's a British lady. Um, white. Her power was to take control of the minds of others. And uh, she did that with an assassin named Coynan, who is the physical Psylocke that we know. Okay. And then her body gets dead, leaving uh, her in the Psylocke assassin body mm. which is the body she's driving around at this time frame now since the uh whole alec Koa era we have separated the two because of the way the regeneration works when you die it made a body for both of them so queenan is now separate oh so you get you know, okay. and betsy is in her original body again uh and both of them it turns out the entire time that queenan was inside there just not control of anything mm -hmm. so uh it's weird because we basically have two Psylocks because they both share the same power now and uh, can use the same powers. So, yeah, she's not a lot of stuff now because we gave Betsy Braddock her own run around and gave her own book and basically gave her own version of uh, Excalibur. Mm -hmm. And then for a minute, we actually had a book that was called Betsy Braddock. Uh, oh, gosh, Betsy Braddock. It's the second name I'm with it. Her brother is... Captain Britain. Betsy Braddock, Captain Britain. That's what it was. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah. So, the two of them being separate has led to more of Betsy in her classic um, body, which is weird, and not as much Psylocke, although they both have had their own books and their own um, alignment with different groups. Uh, but, yeah, as a thing, since they've been separated, definitely different. Okay. Just as a thing in general. Sure. Yeah, I liked it. I think there's certain things that don't go out of style, and that's one of them. Sure. That classic team-up, the writing's well done, the thought bubbles, just like you said, I didn't mind. Most of the time in her dialogue, I, I, I mean, I'm kind of like, all right, is this important or not? Do I skip over it? And it's like, oh, this is funny, quick, whipped banter. It's very good. Right, right. Yeah, I liked it. All right, so after books, we'll run into a lesson of the day. Well, what did we learn today? Tyler, what did you learn today? Well, I learned about the Psylocke. That's probably one of the biggest ones honestly i didn't know i, I mean kirkoa it makes perfect sense because that whole stuff was ridiculous but um i'm gonna go with psylocke and i'm gonna go with i didn't think i could ever dislike a red hood book and oh man i did 
I would say that would be something I learned. Um. So what did I learn? That there is a possibility of you disliking a Red Hood comic book. Very, very unlike me. So I, that was it. That was what I was. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't no, mean that's to good. I all those go ready. together. Well, I mean, I, I usually task you guys with I task you guys with telling them what I learned anyway. Do you have any uh, game news? Yeah, um, I don't know if anyone's playing it, but uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League got absolutely trounced. Apparently, it's really, 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 really bad. Um, super disappointing, considering it's Rocksteady, who was the studio who made um, all the Ar Arkham series, Batman Arkham series, you know, obviously uh, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. Um, yeah, I guess this game is just getting killed at the at the review wise um, even players are super not enjoying it i'm a big dc fanboy i always have been and i kind of meddled back and forth trying to figure out if i was going to get it and i eventually chose not to and uh for those of you who did I'm, I'm sorry and if you're enjoying it great but from what i understand it's uh not well um the only other thing i have uh tekken 8 is making a huge splash if you're not a fighting game person um you don't have to be this is definitely Kind of made for a lot of uh, newer people, and it's if you haven't seen it, it's kind of going viral. A ton of people are picking up and playing it. You don't even know a lot about the story. You can kind of catch up on that later, but it is uh, very, what's the word I'm looking for? Accessible and easy for a lot of people to play and enjoy. Um, fighting game community is always looking for awesome, fun people who are positive and, you know, are, are nice to each other, and that's what we try and do. Books to watch. I do have a couple books that are on my radar that I'd like people to take a look at that I don't feel like you're getting enough love in the world. Um, and, I mean, not just to mention the ones we, that we did tonight, because those are all fantastic also. Uh, but uh, there's there's a new book that came out this last week, which depending on when you listen to this, may be already in trade paperback. It's called Displaced. Uh, it's from Boom Comics. It's going to be a, I think it's a five or six part miniseries. It's one of those two. I can't remember which one it is lengthwise. Uh, but it has to do with a city that vanished and a few people that were in the city that didn't have to be in the right area that managed to not vanish with it. And uh, they're trying to figure out a way to return the city uh, or at least get their families back. Uh, first issue is really good. I read it last night. I liked it a lot. It's uh, another sci-fi mystery kind of book. Um, but yeah, I dug it a lot. It's Boom Comics, and uh, I'd say they'd be worth a check out. Uh, there's another book that I think this guy is from, uh, I think it's from Boom also, actually. It's called uh, Pine and Merrimack, story that's about a detective. Husband-wife husband combo. The wife is a detective, and uh, she has left the life of being a police officer to go private because she can't handle dealing with murders anymore. And her husband, who's an ex-MMA fighter, have both taken themselves to a small town to take easy cases, you know, Cheating husbands, cheating wives, things like that. And now they've stumbled into a possible cult that has to do with trafficking of uh, humans. Uh, it is pretty great. And uh, if it was me going to be cast as a show right now, I would cast Alvin Rickerson as the lead male because the dude is drawn like him. I swear to God, Perfect. looks just like him. Perfect. Uh, but it is pretty good. It's fun. It's a six-part also. Uh, if you like... Uh, I guess, detective mystery type stuff. I'd say it's up your alley. The art's pretty good in it, too. I like it. Um, but I think both those books are worth a better look or more attention than I think they're getting. And they're both from Boom, which is kind of kind of funny. Boom puts out some good stuff. They do. They do. They really do. They do. And then, of course, I would, you know, it's Six Fingers because it's the next chapter to the, uh, the hand. Right. That's exciting. So, uh, When's that out? 
I don't remember the date. Because the hand's not out till March, so it's yes. yeah, monthly. So it's between the two. Okay. So it's either next week or the week after. I can't really remember. It's exciting. Uh, but be before the end of February. Cool. Again, depending on when you're listening to this. 2024. <laughs> For the people in the future. Future people. 9.30 at night. That's that's what time it is. Yeah, yeah. If you're wondering. If you're wondering. Um, it's the exact it. moment. We're at all. That's all, yeah. Like I said earlier in the episode, uh, thanks for tuning in. And if you uh, enjoy enjoy listening and, uh, you know, pass along to your friends, uh, we appreciate you sticking around and coming back to the show because it's been a rough last year, a little bit. Correct. Um, Time-wise and equipment-wise and everything else. We're going to try to get a little more on schedule. So I'm going to try to. So, uh, you know, hopefully see you next episode. And uh, I guess to key? To key. To key. Never goes out of style. Never goes out? As far as I'm concerned. Classic. <laughs>